Welcome to the 503 Report, where America's voice is heard. Thank you for listening online. Be sure to check out our website weekly as we bring Sacramento and the world to you. The 503 Report at www.503report.com, where America's voice is heard. in the world is going on in the Republican Party. Ted Cruz, Donald Trump, throwing their wives out there. Somebody in the Republican Party, of the Utah Super PAC, Mitt Romney's people, whatever they did, posting pictures of Donald Trump's wife back when she was a model in Europe, has no place at all in politics. None whatsoever. Donald Trump forced to answer back. He has to. He's strong. He's going to protect his wife. And then, of course, Ted Cruz comes back and calls Donald Trump a coward. I'm tired of it. I'm sick and tired of that dirty politics. You're going to fight amongst yourselves. You go ahead. You leave the women and the wives, the children out of it. Fight about what is uh, important to America. What is important to the Republican Party? Don't bring that in. That really cheap isn't. That's giving it to Hillary and to Bernie. I'm sick and tired of that. Talk about the issues. What you would like to do. We just had horrific uh, killings and bombings in uh, Europe last week, and then we have to have that as well. I'm tired of that. We have the president doing the wave in Cuba. They don't have any human rights down there for 60 years. uh, Argentina tangoing away while they have bombs blowing off in the capital of Europe and Brussels, NATO headquarters. Come on. Republican Party, you got to do better. Leave the wives and the kids out of it, the super PACs, whoever it is. I know the establishment cannot stand Donald Trump, but there is no place in that party, the Republican Party, for that. Hmm. It is 20 minutes past the hour. It is our favorite day of the week. It's Easter weekend, Good Friday today, and I'm joined, as always, with my good friend, Andrew Wellborn. Buddy, how are you today, pal? Well, it's going to be interesting to see um, 
who the or whomever the establishment likes less when it comes to this between Ted Cruz and obviously Donald Trump. And quite frankly, as much as we don't like the dirty deeds, uh, yeah. it obviously worked pretty well in Utah when it, it came to uh, that primary election. So, you know, dirty deeds uh, done, dirt trip. Let me tell you something, folks. Uh, if you don't have dirt out there, then, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about the dirty deeds. And so ultimately it is fair game. And I'm going to take that position when it comes to uh, politics. Of course, as you guys know, haven't been uh, very, very, very active in, in strategic approaches without a date. You know, I mean, it is not dirty. It is not dirty when it is the truth. Hello, folks. Andrew Wellborn here on the 503 Report, bringing Sacramento and the world to you. And, of course, we podcast on iTunes where America's voice is heard, Tim. We do, and you can text us, get a hold of us. Uh, you want to bring up a subject, you want to get on the phone, it's 257-8255. Just text us to the 503 Report there as well. And I don't mind all the, the going after each other. I don't mind that. Let's, that, that but let's bring in some uh, substance as well. What you would like to do is if you are the uh, party nominee, you know, it's, it's Donald Trump has brought millions of people who don't normally go to the polls, and he's brought them in there. And it's getting down to a, really a two-man race between uh, Donald and Ted Cruz. Kasich is still in there. But that was just a low blow. Dirty pool, I thought, last week bringing that in. Whoever, whoever was responsible for it. Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, you better expect that, Donald Trump, when it comes to this. You know, you know exactly what your background is. Is yes. Ted Cruz same to you, buddy? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not throwing you a lifeline. You yep. better understand some of the allegations that are going to be on your wife, as far as her former employment and things like that. Now, without a doubt, you know. I mean, we don't need to go after the women and children. I guess is, is the best way of putting it. Uh, to be politically incorrect, we don't need to go after the women and children unless <laughs> they're running for office, of course. Absolutely. When it comes to this, but you know, I mean, look. Politics is, uh, it, well, it's contact sport, as we say, and you better be ready. If you're going to throw something out there, you better be. If you're going to live in the glass house, you better understand where the stones are around your house, Tim. Yeah, and I'm thinking that probably Ted Cruz, Andrew, really, I, I can't see that he did. It was probably one of the packs. But anyway, uh, you know, we had a horrible— Oh, I'm not going to give him a pass oh, on that. You're not going to give him a pass? Oh, I'm like, come on. Okay. All these guys like to say, well, it's my pack. It's my pack. Really? You don't what? understand what these guys are going to do or say, really? So if, if you don't agree with your pact and get out there and condemn it you have been doing this for a long time and you kind of know what is going on and it, I, I i i bow to you on that i think that myself i would i would hope that a, a man would not do that to another one like that or have any involvement I, yeah he does because it is his pact maybe he gave the okay i would kind of like to say he probably didn't but i can understand in that in in utah uh heavy mormon population uh up there that they would really react the way they did with a 72% for Cruz in the uh, primary. It's crazy, folks. Yeah, if you think if you think that the Ted Cruz campaign did not know this already, did not have the op research on Donald Trump and did not already know that these pictures exist of his wife back during a time prior to her meeting Donald Trump and marrying Donald Trump. If you don't think that Ted Cruz already understood this and did not have it in his playbook at some point in time <laughs> to be used, if he believed he had to, then, uh, you know, you need to pull your head out of the the sand. Okay. <laughs> You've been involved in a back room or two, it sounds like, Andrew. You kind of, you, I mean, you, and you enjoy, but you enjoy maybe not what was happening there, but you enjoy what is going on right now, You the, the political infighting a little bit. You enjoy that uh, cleansing. It's good for the party. Is it good for 
America, maybe how far it is going right now? I'm enjoying that the American people are beginning to witness uh, politics at its truest. And individuals who are shocked and appalled about, you know, what we believe to be dirty politics, well, this is politics when it comes to this. All you have to do is watch the House of Commons in England from time to time, mm-hmm. how their parliament just tears the heck out of their prime minister, and then the prime minister shows up on Downing Street at the ultimate statesman. So I've got no doubt in my mind. I do not lack confidence that Donald Trump does not have the capability of being a statesman. You know, this is just down and dirt, rough, tough politics. And for the American people now, thanks to technology, usually, you know, technology is not something I'm really a proponent of at the level that's being used. But the good part about this, I think what I'm excited the most about this is that the American people are going to actually witness history. They're going to understand what a contested slash uh, brokered convention is going to be, possibly. And so if anything, they're starting to understand that the Republican Party, along with the Democrat Party, it just does not matter which political party it is, gets to make up their own rules, just like the House and the Senate in the United States Congress. They get to make up their own rules of uh, operations. And so it's going to be interesting to see how the political parties react to this overwhelming, it just, I mean, this is just an overwhelming response of American people within the Republican Party. Eight years ago, uh, President Obama uh, ran on a, his stage was uh, change in America. And his change for the Democratic Party and what he saw for America. Well, change for the Republican Party is pretty difficult, it seems, because it is not somebody who is an established uh, establishment Republican leading the way right now. They're having a tough time with that. Conservatives oppose radical change, whether it be from the leftist or within this libertarian assault that's happening within the Republican Party. So opposition to radical change is always, always on the mind of a conservative. And if, if, if you don't oppose the radical change, and like I said, then you actually belong in another ideology. You know, you're more of a libertarian, perhaps, or maybe you're more of an anarchist when it comes to this. I mean, we just have got such incorrect depictions of what these philosophies and these ideologies are. He has brought so many people to uh, the caucuses and the primaries, and people are getting out and listening to what he has to say. You know, we always say to Republicans, you've always said for four years now, almost five, that Republicans tend to eat their own a little bit. But are they going to, do you see, you know, rally around? Let's say it's Trump. It's somebody who they don't want there. But for the good of the party, it's who they have to go for. They have to rally around. Well, I mean, like I said, you know, I mean, the control of the party is established by the individuals who run the party. Correct. And the individuals who, uh, unfortunately, you know, a lot of these are the American rejects. We talk about the American rejects of the Democrat side. Well, guess what? We've got them within the Republican side. John McCain, Mitt Romney, Sarah Palin, Muck, Mike Huckabee, all of these guys who have been rejected by the American people now. These individuals like Norm Coleman coming out of Minnesota, you know, hold on, man, you could even beat Al Franklin for goodness sakes in your state. So who are these individuals now all of a sudden to come out and to make statements of opposition when it comes to the choices right now currently of Republican voters? We have about a week or so, I believe, until we have the next uh, primaries and caucuses. John Kasich has vowed that he's going to stay in, although he has really no chance. Andrew, maybe you could explain a little bit. Is there this much a 1% chance that he could be the nominee, even though he's not even close with delegate counts if it goes to a brokered convention and there's a big split or rift? Does he stand a chance? Is that why he's still staying in? The rules say that the Republicans can, unless one individual has got that magic number, if 
No one has got that magic number. The rules currently say that they can choose whomever they want, folks, and that's what a brokered convention is about. So, yes, it is time for two individuals, in my opinion, to step out of this race. You know, I love John Kasich. I've, you know, I've got a fond, fond, you know, I just, I, I you like him. You yes. know, I like him. I've always said I think he's the most experienced candidate up there, but it's time for him to maybe vacate. And Ted Cruz, let me tell you something, Mr. Cruz, you're not even a real Texan. Time for you to get out of the race. Wow. Okay, folks, time for something you should know you don't know. Maybe you don't want to know, but you're going to know that right now. The year is 31. That's right. The year is 31. Going into this Easter weekend, it's actually the first Easter today, according to the calendar maker, Denisus Exegus. Boy, I, I, I brutalized that name, I know. That's a 1634, one. under a charter granted to Lord Baltimore and led by his brother Leonard Calvert, the first settles... I'm sorry. They established a Catholic colony in Maryland. We all know what that city has evolved to. And, of course, 1668. The first official horse race takes place in America. The 503 Report bringing Sacramento and the World You podcasting on iTunes. And after the news every Friday right here on 1240 KSUE. Give us a text, 257-8255, something you want to talk about. Back with the Half Hour And now, it's live from the high desert in the Sierra Nevada mountains. It's the 503 Report, Northeastern California's original political talk show, bringing Sacramento and the world to you. And here's your host, Tim Reinertson. Thank you very much, Stan. Welcome back, everybody. It is Good Friday, Easter coming up on Sunday. It is our favorite day of the week, the 503 Report, bringing Sacramento and the world to you. And if you'd like to... Get involved in the conversation. 257-8255. Call or text. You know, I said it on the bottom part of the show. Yes, uh, from one Texan to someone who is not a Texan. You're not a real Texan, Mr. Ted Cruz. And uh, I will get into that a little bit as far as uh, some of the fake game, I think, that he's playing out there. Him being what I believe to be a phony as far as how he's trying to portray himself. And, uh, you know, if he becomes the nominee, obviously I will support him. But until then, you know, the reality is, is Mr. Cruz, uh, you are not, sir, a real Texan. Hello, folks. Andrew Wellborn here on the 503 Report, bringing Sacramento and the world to you. And, of course, we podcast on iTunes, Tim, where America's voice is heard. So you're telling me that he is a Tino, a Texan in name only, kind of like a runner. <laughs> is that what you're trying to tell me? We come up with a new name for <laughs> oh, Ted man. Cruz, huh, buddy? Folks, that just happened right there. <laughs> Budding Chi. Oh, very good there, Mr. Reinerson. Yes, without a doubt. You know, I mean, look, when we talk about Ted Cruz and you talk about him, you know, I'm, I'm calling for him. It's time for him to step out of the race, folks. Not time for everybody else so that he can go mano umano. You know, if anybody is destroying the Republican Party brand right now, it is Ted Cruz. So let's take a look at his history real quick. You know, he's been this self-proclaimed outsider since he emerged on the scene. You know, he bamboozled, in my opinion, the great Glenn Beck and the Sarah Palins and all those individuals to get behind him as far as being an anti-establishment guy. But let's really look at it real quick. First of all, you know, you uh, you do not become the solicitor general of 
of the state of Texas, in my opinion, my opinion only, guys, um, being a non-native Texan, per se, <laughs> without establishment connections. And he clearly makes that in his book. My good friend Christopher Bennett points it out a little bit. He's read his book. You know, he, he had a fallen out with the Bush family. And ever since, you know, he's been this outside rogue, outside Washington guy. But let's face it, folks. I mean, you don't go to Princeton. You don't go to Harvard. And you definitely don't become the Solicitor General of the great state of Texas without some type of establishment <laughs> Connection. Well, you have somebody there and they speaking on behalf of you and, and appointing you to a position like that and or to be elected. And they appoint you to that. And the people have to be behind you and the party is behind you. So, ergo, that, you're exactly right. That speaks to that. He has to be part of that. Well, it's just time for him to step out of the race, I think. You know, it's time for all these guys, these anti-Trump moments. Look, Dad, Ted Cruz is... Look, he's not good for the party. He's the one that's not good for the party right now. He's the one that is uh, trying to bring the party down, per se. And he's the one that, uh, well, let's put it this way. If he's our nominee or if he's associated some capacity as our nominee, it's going to be very tough uh, for us to win, I think. His libertarian points of views have been rejected by Americans constantly. And the Hillary Clinton campaign or Bernie Sanders campaign, whomever the nominee is on the Democrat side, they're going to have no problem pointing out these libertarian points of view and most Americans are not going to accept it that's not centrist enough for the for the country anyway Andrew they, they have to have that central to conservative or Democrat not far or extreme left or right you know Tim we uh, we shocked a few people when we made a statement last year we had the conversation that unfortunately there were so many candidates on the far right these libertarians and mm-hmm. then Bernie Sanders on the far left as a socialist and a communist you know we were talking about my, our big concern on this show, on the 503 report, that all of these candidates up there were going to make Hillary Clinton look dead center in the middle. (laughs) And after she gave her speech in Palo Alto at Sanford this weekend or over this week, you know, I mean, that clearly shows exactly what my concern is, is that that speech was well done. What she did, how she said it. I mean, I, it take, took me back to 1996 where my girl and I, we were, we were actually staying in a hotel room and we were watching Bill Clinton make a speech uh, to, to the American people. We were in Roseville, California, man. And, and I never will forget this. I looked at, I looked at my girl and said, wow, man, he sounds like one of us when he looked into the yeah. calendar. I mean, into the camera and made some of his statements. And so that's exactly what Hillary Clinton did. She looked presidential. She was calm. She looked like the adult over this last week at Sanford University. And I got to tell you, you know, that's what's happening. And, and that's, that's, that's taking full advantage of what's going on within the Republican side. So, you know, Mr. Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, you know, you're the one that's creating, in my opinion, the vitriol within the Republican Party. She did look very good. I saw uh, bits and pieces of that, and she looked very good. Well, she had a lot of, a lot of time, you know, as a first lady of Arkansas, as a first lady of the United States, as secretary uh, of state, as a senator. She is very good at that. But how about her husband coming out talking about the awful last eight years is he trying to get that separation between his wife and president obama because she certainly wants to ride those coattails a little bit but boy he sure slammed the president about the last eight years well the american people i think are going to reject this last movement of president obama being in cuba like you said earlier on the first part of the show being down in argentina his socialist uh, little statement you know to the people of argentina go with what works and i gotta tell you you know that that one actually kind of disturbed me a little bit but the socialist movement within the united states right now is is small 
And, you know, but it's given Hillary Clinton a run for her money on this. And, you know, what the media is not focusing on because thank, thank yeah. goodness, they're, they're like, oh, well, thank goodness we've got this Republican, you know, mess that's happening over here on the right. They're not focusing on the fact that, you know, Bernie Sanders is really, really neck to neck with Hillary Clinton. You back out those super delegates and uh, he's within striking range uh, of Hillary Clinton. And that's going to be a big concern, I think, for the Clinton. They understand that. I under one thing that is, is uh, gets me is the super delegates on the Democratic side, but not on the Republican side. I don't I don't see that. And she has like 400 of them. So and you said it's very close. She's got like an eight or nine hundred delegate lead. But you get rid of about half of that with those super delegates. Bernie Sanders only has a handful of them. But another point I wanted to break bring up to you: the Libertarian on the far right has been building slowly over the course of you know 10, 20 years now. But the Socialist Party, with a candidate out there in mainstream with Bernie Sanders. It's kind of this what the Republicans had to go through for a, a growing time. But the Socialist Party, you're talking about small. Do you see that continually growing, Andrew? Well, let's let's take that one at a time. Let's look at the libertarian movement sure. within the Republican Party. I mean, they're just like the communists and socialists on the left. Mm -hmm. They're seeing this as maybe a moment of last stand when it comes. Because libertarians do what they do. Once they eat it up and they mess it up and their candidate does not, you know, become the nominee, they run back to the Libertarian <laughs> Party. And then all of a sudden you take a look at the libertarian turnout during the presidential election. Oh, it's record number, record number. It's, no, it's the same number it's always been. And I argue with with my libertarian buddies all the time on this statistically the increase on the libertarians it's not as significant now however the issue with socialism on the leftist you know I, I we we've mentioned this so many times on past shows the problem with socialism right now in america is that people are not associating socialism with its atrocities so they they go to europe okay and they they go to other countries in Europe, many different nations are like, yeah, socialism works over here. Well, what they don't realize is the amount of tax. Socialism works, I guess, because they're taxed at 90%. Maybe not that high, but you get the point. And then, of course, you know, businesses are investing in American markets, Chinese markets, and then those businesses, they're taxed at a level and it's redistributed down to the people. But, you know, when you really, really look at it, I mean, most of the generations of individuals that own property and their homes over in these socialist countries, these socialist communities, those homes have been in the families for generations and generations and it's passed on. So it's not that socialism works, it's just that the appearance is that it works. But really when it comes down to it, do you want to be limited with less or do you want the opportunity in America to be able to gain more? I'll take the gaining more. You've traveled to Europe and you've been to some of those countries and what's going on over there. While you were over there, in your travels, Andrew, did you feel a sense of that things were changing over there with the influx of what's going on with terror organizations? Did you have any sense of that over there? Or do those people seem to be, you know, everything's okay over here, uh, open borders, we can come and go as we please? Uh, America's a little bit, you know, although it's easy for our southern borders, people coming in, but they can go throughout countries fairly easy over there, and it's kind of a recipe for disaster. Well, I mean, it depends on who you talk to over there. I uh -huh. mean, they've got a level of political correctness, especially going through Germany, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, obviously with their Nazi history. And so they're very, very careful as far as talking to at least the groups that I go with and I've been with. 
uh, you know, they're very, very careful with their political correctness. I see through it all day long. But, man, when you get them on the side and you talk to them, they realize that, you know, the open borders, thanks to, uh, you know, the, U- the European Union going towards a United States type of approach, you know, because you are a member of the European Union, the EU, it's almost like being in the United States. Once you get into the United States, you're free to travel amongst and across all borders in the United States. Well, the same with the European Union. Once you enter anywhere, you go through customs anywhere in the European Union of Europe, then you're free to cross without any type of customs. And and so, you know, do they realize that? Yes. Are they going to say that? Probably not at this point. But obviously, obviously, they're starting to wake up. And, you know, the, uh, the refugee and, and the immigration influx of Europe, you know, a lot of the man on the street, should we say, the man on the street, per se, quote unquote, they realize that it's a problem. And it has been for the last 20 years. You go back 25 years with the uh, Gulf War and being near Europe over there. And they have those borders and the the Syrians and and Pakistans and Afghanis can go up there. And they're forming these huge uh, organizations over there. And they're they're recruiting people. And it's just amazing uh, what they are doing over there right now. And they just mentioned that they had 5,000 troops over there in Europe ready to go. Some of those things I just hear are staggering. You know, it, it is. And it's just the way it is over there. And I just can't explain it. But, you know, that's that's where we're going to be. So it looks like we do have a call on the line. We're going to open up our lines here for a little bit. Hey, you're on the 503. Thanks for joining the conversation. What's on your mind today? Hey, I got a question for you. When uh, Did you see the thing on the news about the Democrats were having a problem uh, voting because uh, there wasn't enough money for polling places or whatever? Yeah. Do you think the Republicans would do that to Trump? <laughs> I'll take it off the air. <laughs> Uh, I can say it in one word, absolutely. I mean, voter suppression is a technique <laughs> that both Republicans and Democrats use all the time. That's how the power of the party stays in power. Both sides rely on just loyal voters to show up. They don't like the influx of new voters because it disrupts uh, their normality. It It's a radical change, should we say, within the political party based on the rules. And so, yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I point the finger at both sides, uh, you know, and, and I get into it all the time with a lot of my political professionals out there. But that's the point, folks. You know, what's exciting about this, like I was saying on the earlier part of the show, is not the uh, not the dirtiness, not the, the hard fight. I mean, that's just normal. What's exciting about this is that American people now, because of technology, because of how it is being utilized during this election, we're actually able to see for the first time how some of the silly, silly, silly rules in politics work. If you'd like to join the conversation, 257-TALK by phone or text. You can get a hold of us, the 503 Report, bringing Sacramento and the world to you. The views and opinions expressed on the 503 Report do not necessarily represent those of staff or management of KSUE or Sierra Broadcasting Company and are brought to you solely by Andrew Wellborn and the 503 Network. Okay, folks, time for something you should know, you don't know, maybe you don't want to know, but you're going to know that right now. Today's date in history, the year is 1916. 
women are allowed to attend a boxing match for the first time. <laughs> wow. wow. Okay. 1917, Canadian combat ace Billy Bishop, he shoots down his first enemy aircraft during World War One. technically becomes the first uh, ace in combat aviation. And, of course, for all you socialist communists out there on the Democrat side of the party, 1944, German Nazi troops executes 335 residents in Rome. Hello, folks. Andrew Wellborn here on the 503 Report, bringing Sacramento and the world to you. And, of course, we podcast on iTunes, where America's voice is heard, Tim. Absolutely. 257-8255 to talk or to text and catch the 503 Report, where America's voice is heard online as well. Great stimulating uh, conversation. Uh, Boy, it's really getting heated up. Uh, as we're getting closer and closer to the June and July to the uh, conventions uh, for both parties, Andrew. You know, we got a lot of emails. At least I did at info at 503 Report. And then, of course, uh, people texting me on my personal and uh, talking to me out there. You know, uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of bit of confusion as far as how the party rules work as far as the delegate works and uh you know i'm gonna take a few seconds here to try to explain that if you don't already understand that folks uh we're gonna take a few minutes if you got a pretty good grasp be uh be patient with us here because i'm gonna try to simplify it real quick as i'm having a cup of coffee here thinking about all these politics Uh, (laughs) look it's real simple man delegates are appointed when they're awarded they're loyal to the individuals that win them once you go to the convention, if you have over 1,200 and whatever the number is designated. See, every time you go into the convention, rules committees meet and they establish rules. And so last year's rules, or should we say last cycle's rules, are up for change. You know, one of the most famous ones is when they upped it from five states to seven states to try to mess with Rand Paul when he was trying to win delegates sure. in order to qualify for nomination. See, they can do that. So what that means is that once the Republican Republican National Committee convenes, the Rules Committee for the Republican National Committee actually could modify the rule from 1,230 whatever to whomever has the majority. But at the same time, you know, that is a controlling feature for the RNC. It works also with the Democrat Party that way, too, guys. So that controlling feature, so they could come up to you and say, hey, Tim, you know what? We're going to get you to that 1,200. We're going to work. We're going to get you to that 1,200. And then you become more loyal to the party. See, the problem with presidential elections is that the president should not be as loyal to any party as they should be loyal to the American people who elected the individual within that office. So with that being said, folks, there's a there's a there's a round of voting and if no one has that 1200 at that point in time after that first round of voting then you become eligible you become eligible to go wherever you like you are released from your indentured service is the best way of putting that when it comes to how that works and i look i've been on convention floors out here in the state of california as a delegate from up here where i work and live down wherever our conventions are twice a year and that's how it works good old-fashioned horse trading power brokering behind closed doors however you want to say once upon a time yeah they were smoke filled because that's what we did in public (laughs) in public facilities so yes individuals of power does come from the party and so the question for the american people especially individuals voting republican right now because it looks like that we're going to have the best opportunity to possibly see this power play brokerage is is whether or not we want to accept that within the political party system well the, the the party the establishment does not want to see trump get that 
1253 or whatever it is. They they want to see they wanted to go to that. I think they've kind of met, they've mentioned that for the last uh, few months or so as they've seen Donald Trump's numbers rise, his delegate counts rise. And any time that Kasich or Cruz can, you know, knock one off, uh, that's good for them because they wanted to go to that to where they can still control who the nominee is and do that horse trading like you say, Andrew. You know, I mentioned the American rejects earlier, man, in the first segments about John McCain, Mitt Romney, Norm Coleman, and all these guys coming out. You know, the Rick Perrys and all these guys. I mean, look, I mean, these, 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 uh, the day that we're starting to see the power brokers, I guess, get behind Ted Cruz is, is almost, I mean, the hypocrisy is just ridiculous at this point. And so I think that if, if Donald Trump, whether he hits the 1200, I think it's a, it's a good possibility that he's going to be pretty darn close. And if, uh, if the Republican Party, through a broker convention, actually steals the nomination from the individual with the most delegates because he got the most Republican votes during the primary season, you know, it will be very, very detrimental to the Republican Party. So to my beloved Republican Party, I leave you with a warning. I send you a warning. Don't do it. Oh, Donald Trump mentioned that there could things could happen. And of course, he doesn't want that. And he has for all summer or all spring and uh, in the late winter in there, he has just brought the masses to that. People who didn't really care before, and they are hearing somebody, and it has just scared the uh, established uh, candidates uh, to death and the party to death. And Donald Trump, he's sounding a little more presidential each time out to me a little bit. They've kind of put the gloves off a little bit, but he has to do that. And you mentioned earlier that he will be presidential if sounding if he is the nominee. He is a smart businessman. He will surround himself with uh, you know, a vice president, and if he gets elected, with a cabinet who is very smart and knows what's going on. Donald Trump doesn't know a lot uh, as political candidates like maybe President Obama or Hillary Clinton when it comes to policies and foreign policy, but he knows how to deal with people, and he will be smart and make smart choices. Well, no one's got the experience, as we say all the time on the 503 Report. No one's got the experience to run for president except for the incumbent. And then it's up to us as the American people to decide whether or not we accept that experience to give the incumbent a second term. That's just the way that works. Now, these party rules, keep in mind, guys, the Democrat Party, the Republican Party, it's not constitutionally linked. However, in my opinion, they take it out of the Constitution as far as their ability to make to a up certain their point, own Andrew. Make their own rules, just like the Constitution gives the members of the House and gives the members of the Senate to the ability to make their own rules as an option of operation. That's how come you hear these terms, the nuclear option within the Senate. What's that got to do? What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> you know, what's constitutional about that? Now we're the, the Joe Biden rule. What, what What's the Joe Biden rule that they're talking about with the Supreme Court of the United States? So if anything, folks, we need to start focusing on the rules that the Congress gets to manipulate and change in order to move legislation, you know, through the uh, United States Congress within the Constitution. So if we really want to make a change, you know, the great example of seeing that the parties with the rules, we should take a look at constitutionally how the members of Congress just manipulate their rules at any point that they want to during any time of congressional session. Andrew, I'm really looking forward to what's coming up in the next couple of months. I know that California, it looks like California is really going to be in play for the Republican Party um, here in uh, just a, a couple of months. And, and it really brings it in for the people here to go out and vote because we've had such piss poor turnouts <laughs> for years here. And I would really like to see my beloved California 
put out numbers like the rest of the country has and then increase that. Uh, I really think that Californians are going to get out and do that. It's going to be really exciting what's upcoming. Hopefully. You know, another pet peeve of mine, you guys, uh, my loyal listeners, you guys know this, is, is the misuse of words. Starting to hear the word populism and, and all this other stuff being, look, populist, <laughs> it's not popularism. It's <laughs> populism when it comes to the movement. And, you know, populism is not popularism, meaning that it's just popular amongst the masses. Populism is actually a, a, a revolt. And, you know, it started off with the farmers in, in early in our history when it came to where they believed they got bad land deals and pricing as far as anyways. And then, of course, it led, as I always bring up, to what we now know as progressivism. And so, you know, for, for the incorrect use of populism right now by the big boys and girls uh, across national media is because they don't want to acknowledge the importance of the word progressivism. Capitalism, we talk about, is starting to become the issue. We all know that in pure, pure capitalism uh, theory and application, there is no competition. And so that's what libertarians don't want is competition. Capitalists in corporate America, they don't want the competition. And I use the example up here where, where we broadcast out of. Once upon a time, we had two coffee houses. They were competing against each other. And then they established a market. And what happened? Big corporate America came in. Starbucks came in. And there are no longer any independent coffee houses within this community. Now, you know, that's, uh, that's capitalism at its best or worst, depending on what side of the business are, that you're on. So, you know, when it comes to the anti-Wall Street movement, as we say, the anti-monopolist, that's exactly what's happened. This is not a populist movement, okay? This is a progressive movement that's happening in the United States. But, you know, the unfortunate thing about it is that we've misconstrued that word <laughs> within the Republican strategic ranks as far as applying the word out there that it's become a confusion with, with a lot of people as far as, you know, making decisions on who they want to support. Okay, we do have another call on the line. Thanks for joining the 503. What's on your mind today? Well, good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey. Violet. I want you to do me a favor. Yes. If I have to get Trump out here for California's governor, <laughs> please, will you have him stop that wanting to split this state and make it Jefferson? Oh. I was born in Lassen County, and I would sure like to stay here. Thank you for your call. We appreciate that. You know, when we take a look at uh, President Obama now down in Cuba, you know, one of the big things that really kind of irked me was a little bit of how he was, uh, you know, just cozying up to the dictator, to some murderous dictators. And then the photo of him, Che Guerrero, you know, Guerrero, yeah. he, I mean, you know, he's considered a great revolutionist. You know, well, Adolf Hitler was a, a, a revolutionist. You know, Mao Zedong was a, a Ho Chi Minh, you know, Joseph Stalin, all these guys we know, you know, Hugo Chavez, these guys are revolutionists, you know. But here's the deal with this real quick. Let's do a quick comparison with socialist, communistic, dictatorship revolutions versus our revolutionist in America. What were we fighting? Well, one of the biggest difference, folks, between socialism and communism versus the American capitalist, independent, individual liberty revolution is, is that we didn't mass murder our opponents within 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 our nation, we went to war with our England. own people. Yes, you know we even we even forgave. We had pieces of legislation that forgave the Tories when it came to this. Now I'm not saying that it didn't happen on individuals, but as far as a mass movement rounding people up in America and just executing and murdering them, that has never happened in the United States. At 
since since 1776, since the Constitution, you know, was introduced in 1789. So, look, here is the deal with this, folks. You know, so when we see President Obama saying, go with what works, well, what's working yeah. over there in, in, down in, in central southern part of this of this continent? Yeah. I mean, what, what's happening down there? Repression? And, and, oh, my goodness. And so, yeah, we're seeing socialism as being cool. There is no association with socialism and communism being bad because for some reason we just don't think that that could happen in the United States. And let me tell you something, guys, you know, for all you individuals who want to go and try to, try to, you know, this outdated constitution today, we do that in America where we get rid of the constitution oh, of the United States. Good luck to you. I couldn't have said it any better, and it has not worked down there. And I think that the Castros, of course, they just want the influx of American dollars. They're not going to use any of that to help their uh, people uh, and further them at all to get away from uh, their dictatorships down there. That's not going to happen. It has not happened for 60 years, even when they had the, the Russian money there, which they really don't anymore. It's not going to happen. They just, they just want the American dollars down there to fatten themselves. That's all they want. Well, that's I mean, what I see. That's going to be up to the Cuban people. You know, the people of Cuba are going to have to make a decision what they want to do. And, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see if it actually happens. What most of us are thinking are going to happen or hoping it's going to happen as far as an uprise of the Cuban people against uh, the Castro brothers. Small steps, Andrew, kind of like our country. Of course, I think that we would like to see that because they are so close to us, only 90 miles off the American shore. We would, I think we as Americans would really like to see that. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, though, my well, friend. we don't know. You know, once again, I'm going to call upon Governor Jerry Brown out here in California to clean up the office of Inspector General's office. It's time, Governor Brown. It's time to maybe replace some of those individuals that you've got appointed that have just made our community up here look like a bunch of racists. Okay, now, with that being said. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good, uh, good call there. All man. right, now, time for my favorite book. It comes from Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. God bless you, America. The 503 Report, bringing Sacramento and the world to you. And, of course, we always want to thank those men and women who go to work every day, working the toughest beat in the state, performing their duties so that you, our listener, up and down the state of California and across this great nation can be safe. Folks, it is Good Friday. I want everybody to have a great Easter with their family, their friends. Uh, go out there and celebrate uh, this weekend as well. Tune in Saturday at 7 o'clock on 1240 KSU before the news and swap shop for a rebroadcast of this show. And Sundays, you can catch it at 7.30 before pre-program shows in about a half hour. Go to SierraDailyNews.com after the show, and you can catch a broadcast there. We podcast live on iTunes as well. And you can also go to the 503 Report, where America's voice is heard. And every Friday right after the news, we are here as well. Folks, have a great uh, weekend. It is Easter. Get out there with your families. Enjoy them. And remember, like Kid Rock says, we are all born free. Have a great weekend, America.